The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we do nothing but discuss Letterkenny, Farming Simulator, and Clarkson's Farm. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. That's right. I'm Danny Vincent. I don't know any of those things. Uh, we're actually a Marvel podcast where we're trying to figure out who and what is going on in the cinematic we are. Uh, multiverse. But oh, no, now that we're going to talk, I noticed we never changed that. They'll be saying that my name's Danny Vincent, so I guess it's fair that I should be introduced to the whole thing. Uh, anyway, uh, this week we're discussing the most pro-military industrial complex blockbuster since Tom Cruise took our breath away. That's right. This week we're talking about Captain Marvel, colon, Air Force advertisement in preparation for Miss Marvel. But first... We need to introduce our guest who is returning. Tyler, why don't you introduce? Because I just did a lot of introducing. Yeah, so this is the third or fourth time. The third time that this guest has been here. Third and a half time, because we're going to count that Green Room, Green Knight. The Green Knight episode was on its own. You came back just to talk about Green Knight. Technicalities. We got... (laughs) We yeah. got the OG Green Knight Squad up in here. Tori <laughs> and the Joe Evan Handsome is back. Oh yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and Minority yeah. Report. Everybody runs. That, <laughs> right. That legendary. Everybody runs away from the Dear Evan Hansen trailer. No, that legendary uh, trailer of Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. So Tori, Hello. how are you? Welcome I'm back. Good. Thank you. Glad to be back. So you were last on for the Why Is episode for the first episode of what if mm-hmm. did you like the rest of the show not as much as i wish i would have <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think i think the concepts that they're going for are good and i think you know it coming before multiverse of madness was good and then it's like they did nothing with it so um in concept yes in execution not really yeah it kind of kind of looks like we're getting I mean, the only thing that it looks to be affecting anything is like the uh, Marvel zombies animation uh, animated thing that's going to be coming out. But well, you know, there are rumors that came out today that we might be getting a Captain Carter live action series, which we don't usually comment on rumors here. But let's just say (laughs) let's just say that that would be a waste of literally everyone's time besides Haley Atwell's wallet. Yeah. Which, you know, like, get your money. No no judgment there. No. I don't know. I guess I'm speaking for Tori. I haven't talked to Tori about this yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I truly think that there's there's other characters that I think I'd rather see a solo project with before Captain Carter. Like Squirrel Girl. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I think we should sing previously introduced characters also. I, at least that was the implication I was getting from that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of the Captain Carter and Squirrel Girl and Captain Marvel, we have a question from you from 
A question for, for you. you. From, <laughs> yeah. From me, for, for you. me. <laughs> uh, uh, from Sarah Kanoff, who was on when we talked about Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. and other Sam Raimi joints. Her question was, what would your benchmark be for an feminist MCU movie? I'm trying not to take a lot of time with this question because, like you said, it's a very loaded question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, I think it, we're, you know, we're already in a, in a okay direction with the fact that you know, we've already got question or um, characters that are having conversations that don't deal with other male MCU characters, so that's cool. Um, which is, it should be the bare minimum, but unfortunately, it's not anymore. <laughs> but I, I do think for the future, I would like to see more of them being I, like I want to see them more being badass on their in their own rights instead of them having to like group up together because then those just mm. feel like cheap shot moments. Like, yep. yeah, see yeah. how powerful we are with feminism. We've got all these women in the same shot. And it's like, yeah, but I'd love to see them not constantly walking together in a big group and just being cool on their own. It like, uh, don't use them as like it. Like, I'm thinking of the scene in Endgame. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of that yeah. too. And it feels it feels more like like a prop. You know, yes. rather than, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredibly self-congratulatory. That scene feels just so self-congratulatory to me when the only MCU superhero that got her own movie at that point was Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other one that was in the title was the Wasp. Uh, and two, well, Gamora had died in the previous movie and Black Widow wasn't there. So right. like, it was yeah. very like, yeah. Well, like I in in the theater when you know we've we've talked about on this podcast before the feeling of Endgame in the theater and I mm-hmm. did fall for it. I mean, when I was in the theater and that scene happened and all the women were walking together, like I was cheering and excited because in the moment, you know, it you you fall for it. And then going back and watching it again, I'm looking at some of the women who are in that group and they have no business being in that exact location and walking with that group. Like there's. Mantis just comes from the side who has like absolutely nothing to add to what they're dealing with at that exact moment. And she, like, you can see like her walking, like, I don't know why I'm walking, but I'm walking. <laughs> I remember also people pointing out that like, it took 11 years for Pepper Potts to actually get in that suit and fight. Yes! And they're bragging about it. <laughs> they're bragging about it in that scene. There's so many moments that, uh, yeah, it's, and we, we can talk about, I, I could talk about feminism in the MCU forever, and I'm not going to. But I do think we're heading in a right direction. I just, we're not where I think we should be given the parameters we have. And I also don't think the MCU should be congratulating itself on doing the bare minimum sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I, I really hope that we get Danny's proposed Hawkeye and Black Widow movie mm-hmm. and it's it's got Haley Seinfeld and I'm I'm blanking on uh Kate Bishop Kate Oh uh, sorry well, that's no, the character Kate, name Florence Pugh. Yeah Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Yeah yeah like, it's got like, uh, Sorry yeah, it's, it's got a it's got the new Hawkeye and the new Black Widow mm-hmm. Yeah I really hope that we get a movie with that and with their age they're at a kind of a like a segue age mm-hmm. where they can both speak to like what their performances can speak to both the adult audience and the kid audience and uh it'd be a really good opportunity um for them to do something with with that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep uh, uh, I, yeah yeah i think we're also lucky that our next two show lucky 
that's not the word for it, but you know what I mean? The next two shows are about women characters and who knows how, I really have no idea how Thor Love and Thunder is going to shake out. If like very possible Thor ends up retired at them, as far as we know, even though Hemsworth has said he wants to stick around, but like, yeah. we don't know if it's going to be like a regular thing for Portman or of course, Please give Tessa Thompson her own movie. I've been begging. Please. <laughs> give Tessa. Oh my gosh. Give please. Valkyrie everything. Give Valkyrie. She's she's great. Valkyrie <laughs> that the back on the previous topic, Valkyrie deserves a solo solo thing before Captain Carter remotely comes close. Like Yes. Uh sorry. Hey, I feel very passionate about Valkyrie. <laughs> I'll say one thing really quick and then we will move on. Is that when they first announced the Disney Plus shows, I was like, no way. The only one thing I would want would be a Valkyrie movie set, no, not a TV show set between those six years where she's pretty much in charge, five years where she's pretty much just in charge mm-hmm. of Asgard because Thor's off drinking himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that would never happen the way I wanted to because Taika wouldn't commit to that. But Taika has done so many TV shows <laughs> since then that yeah. he 100% either would or he'd find one of the money people who he mentors to do it. So I also would love just like, even if it's a small thing about the Valkyries themselves, like where mm-hmm. they were in position to Asgard, like before Hela and everything, because yeah. it's so sad that the only imagery we have of them is all of them just getting destroyed, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right. Give us a question for our next guest. Cause we do have to, let's yes. go. Yes. Sorry. Um, my bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, to, since the multiverse madness just came out, I would just like to ask the next guest, how they like how they would want the multiverse to move forward after multiverse of madness um it's a general question but <laughs> um just to see like what characters maybe they'd want brought in uh what direction they'd want to take it since this movie kind of left a lot of things weirdly open ended <laughs> okay there nice. yes yeah, yeah that's that, a good that, question that's a good one that's a good one because i uh i started very to read open-ended. It is. And I started to read um, the 2005 uh, run. I actually just finished it uh, yesterday. The 2005 uh, run of Young Avengers. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff set up in both the, the Phase 4 mo- movies and uh, Disney Plus shows that could lean toward that. But there's also a ton of stuff that like they could pick and choose from there. There's it like Danny's talking about the it's it's wide o- we're wide open it's like we're we're sitting here i don't i don't know it's almost like uh like i'm thinking of like thor the first thor i don't know like when's the time in the mcu that we had this wide open road where you knew there wasn't some foreboding danger down the down the yeah, line yeah i you I've know? read a lot of people. I read an article. Well, I didn't read the article again. I just read the headline. I was like, "That's stupid." <laughs> that, that's what usually happens these days. Is I'll read a headline for a think piece. I'm like, "No, that's dumb. I don't need to read your argument." And I read one where it's like, "In the multiverse of madness, we still don't have a current uh, end goal for the MCU." And I'm like, "But we shouldn't, because this was always designed to be a rebuilding phase, because we lost the two big tenets of the MCU. Honestly, the three big tenets of the MCU." Because uh, yeah. Scarlett Johansson really was a huge part of that, mm-hmm. so this was always going to be a rebuilding phase. The issue is, is of course, with COVID being what it was, is that it is way longer. F- it's we missed like everything's been delayed a year, so everything feels it feels like we've been stuck here longer. Mm-hmm. If by um, say Quantum Mania and the Marvels, we don't have an idea of like what the next team up is, really, that might be an issue. But that's still. Four movies from now, and however many TV shows are out by then, by then. 
Right. So, Tori, how would you, uh, we'll let you answer your own question. Mm-hmm. How would you want the multiverse to move forward after Multiverse of Madness? My main point is, and this is where I agree with Danny and where I think I would struggle in this position to figure out how to do this. Like, I know what I'd want, but I don't know how I would accomplish it, is to start connecting some of our already um, present points, like Loki and um, Kang the Conqueror and all of that, and starting to kind of merge those together. The problem with that, as Danny was talking about, is you've got all these you know, these Marvel movies, you don't want every movie to try to be like an end game where it's this finish. Cause then it just, it's just going to get too much and it's going to mm-hmm. lose steam. So end game was like a decade in the making, you know, basically. And you don't want everything to be like, Oh, we have a big bad. Let's wrap it up in two years. You know, it needs to extend yeah. out. So connecting those points is hard to do without giving you like an end game. <laughs> So I would love to see those starting to get incorporated, but I don't want it to be so overwhelming that we feel like we're already at the end point way too mm-hmm. far. Yeah. My big fear right now, honestly, is what I think they might be chasing in Kim. Cause you think about it again, if we remove 2020 completely from the calendar, cause that's what I want to do because well, one, wouldn't it be great if it wasn't there, but two, <laughs> uh, but two, uh, in the case of Marvel, it wasn't there is mm-hmm. that Marvel basically did do and Endgame the year after Endgame with No Way Home. Now, they did it with Sony and with Sony's characters, but that movie was almost as big as Endgame was, had around the same level of hype of Endgame, and felt like, a cum- again, a cumulative thing of a decade, over decades long story. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy, considering what that film actually is. Um, so my fear would be that, you know, they might try to do that again. Uh, and I don't know how they would do that. Really, right. but I'm sure they can figure it out, you know, like yeah. just get Chris Evans back as human torch type of thing, and everyone be like, eh. But anyway, <laughs> we gotta we gotta move on. We gotta we gotta move on for our next few topics because we gotta get to our main topic. Sorry. Yep. So we got a recent we got a uh trailer for Shahulk. <laughs> According to Danny, that's how you say <laughs> Shahulk. <laughs> uh yeah, we got a, a trailer for She-Hulk that dropped yesterday and Oddly enough, I've got notifications for every single trailer, Marvel trailer, before this, and did not get it until uh, one of you had said it that it, it had been released in our group chat. It um because it dropped during uh it dropped in the afternoon during Disney's upfront uh because oh. the big things they announced were well good news for Disney animation fans uh is that the other big thing they announced was that Disenchanted is coming this Thanksgiving to Disney Plus. Which means that there's no worry about your movie getting your original movie getting sent to Disney Plus, because there already is an original movie on Disney Plus. Sorry, <laughs> that's a side note. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also, Hocus Pocus Two has a release date too. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's why it was at an upfront. Thoughts on the trailer? Uh, My thoughts are it's shoddy CGI. I don't think I don't really say that, but yeah, I don't. I don't (laughs) think that the uh, I don't think the music fits the tone that they were going for, and it it was almost like a like a playful tone, and then we got this big dramatic like bum 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 bum. It's the the music from the Sonic Two trailer. Fun fact: like is it really? Disney, what are you doing? No. Oh, they're like we're just gonna con all these little Sonic 
Hedgehog Two fans. We're gonna yeah, I keep talking. I keep, I keep bringing. Well, I keep. <laughs> I noticed. I I brought up Sonic the Hedgehog Two like I think a couple of weeks ago on this podcast for some reason. I don't know why it keeps coming even. up. <laughs> I didn't like it anyway. Uh, Tori, what did you think of it? I'll get my thoughts too, but it's a quick thing. Although I agree, it's so weird that this trailer doesn't use pop music, considering how nearly every MCU trailer uses pop music. Anyway, sorry, Tori, what do you think? I the short version of my thoughts is gonna. It's gonna lead into our conversation on captain marvel oh then should i go first uh yeah yeah go ahead go ahead go okay ahead. sorry um my thought is uh whatever like it's basically it's like okay <laughs> like this is a movie this looks like a show that exists that i'll probably end up watching uh my main thing i wanted to say is i have a theory about it which is that i think this is a prequel to shang chi uh because mm. wong is confirmed to be in the show we see abomination in the show I think it seems pretty clear to me that oh, my guess is that Hulk will get him off on probation and Wong will be his parole officer or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Anyway, that's my. Th- I think that will be how it works. Tori, what do you think of this trailer? <laughs> okay, so overall, my biggest worry of anything was She-Hulk. Like, I love the idea of another female central character, just in general. You know, going on our feminism conversation. But I do worry with... Am I allowed to talk about the toxicity of the Marvel fandom sometimes? Yeah. Oh, of course. We Remember we added like an entire 30-minute segment making fun of fans of Loki? Anyway. Oh, hey! <laughs> no, it was because they bullied a reviewer that gave an episode a yeah. 5 out of 10. Oh, oh yeah, fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's No, that's completely fair. No, but I worry, which this leads into Captain Marvel, about like... The reactions of any time there's a female character in the MCU that has a, a huge power that leads with emotions. There's always some mm. toxicity from like like female emotions and how they can't control them and those kinds of situations. And I always worry when there's anything that's led by emotion like the Hulk is, which is inherently like how the Hulk works. You know, Hulk angry, Hulk turns into yeah. Hulk. So I'm very interested to see what the reception's going to be. Because I remember being, I remember being a woman when Captain Marvel came out, and how I felt with a lot of the reactions of Captain Marvel in general. Don't don't look like that, Danny. <laughs> I'm hiding. I'm hiding because I'm yeah yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> I, I uh, that's a that's a really good observation. I I figured they would have rewrote like rewrote how she becomes how she hulks out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Because there's nothing or, wrong with it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with an emotional-led, like female character like that. Because we get that with Wanda, like you, this emotional-led, you know, for her kids kind of situation. So I'm not saying they can't have, like, yeah. females well, with like heightened emotions. It's just how people respond to that is not always the best because they have these gotcha. notions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Let's be real. Wanda's not that well written in Doctor Strange. <laughs> So, <laughs> so. I wasn't going to say it because that's not what we're talking about today. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. moving on. What I wanted to say very quickly about She-Hulk, and then we will move on, I promise, is that I assume it's because of its TV budget, but I always thought She-Hulk, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I always thought She-Hulk, like, once she first hulked out, she stayed hulked out. Uh, and in this trailer, it's very clearly, like, there's one point for, like, where's She-Hulk at her house where she's a human? Mm-hmm. So... Now I, I, th- my, I think my budget it's TV. Yeah, it's because it's TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, now we will talk about Captain Marvel. <laughs> Captain- <laughs> I'm too excited, Danny. Jeez, calm down. Yeah, I know. Anyway, Tyler, you go first. Yeah. So this movie is decent. As much as I want to bash it into oblivion, 
with a few rewrites, uh, witty editing of the story so that it doesn't push its narrative and rather allows its characters to live that out. Um, inclusion of a few deleted scenes and a proper mechanic of using nostalgia. You know what? This film is actually hurting quite a bit. My sentence should have been a phase four movie, not set in the 90s. Also, use Nirvana the right way, dang it. Um, okay. Here are my thoughts. And full disclaimer here that uh, very possible this episode, I say some hot takes that might get heated, and I want them to get heated. So, Tori, if I say something that offends you, go after me, please. As oh, long as it's God. like, actually, as long as it's like, as long as it's not like, I hated this scene, and you're like, what? Don't, don't be like that. Uh, <laughs> just, just, uh, it, well, just Danny, on your on your part, don't be edgelord in this either. No, no, I'm not being edgelord. I, I want to yeah. talk about, yeah. I think this episode's going to have me mentioning the term performative Feminism and performative wokeness a lot, because that's, that's my general takeaway from this movie, is that it came out, I don't know what number it is, but it came out literally the movie before, Avengers Endgame, the finale to the first 11 years of the MCU. Is it film and, 21? Out of... Far think, From Home was film 23, right? Dude, I don't know. You'll have to look at it. I, I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what number it is. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so this movie comes out so late in the cycle. It has the audacity to be like, actually, the first Avenger was a woman. Don't come at us about that. Okay? Like, she was actually the first one. The Avengers are actually named after her. And I want to be very clear. I'm not saying this in the sense that I feel like there are a lot of, like, People who will have their video essays be like, oh, wokeness is ruining media. And they'll be like, uh, how dare they have Captain Marvel emasculate these people? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that to imply that, oh, this was actually the whole time. She was always the first. Per- she's the person we got the name for the Avengers from. That's where Nick Fury got all of his like guts, good stuff from was Captain Marvel. It's just so like, no, you need to own your mistake that it took this long for you to make a movie about a woman. Especially when your next movie, literally the next movie in your cycle, is going to give her a 10-minute role when this whole movie like implies that she's going to be a big part of it. You're going to kill off your main female character in the franchise up to that point in that movie. You're going to bring back the main, the other biggest female character in the franchise, but completely wipe her memory. That's Gamora. And then you're going to do that stupid shot we already talked about in it. Now, ignoring all those somewhat political assets aspects of the movie i think this movie just doesn't work it feels like a phase one movie which gives to me the most nostalgia i get out of this movie seeing clark Gregg. uh it's great to see him in a movie like this again but uh i think the biggest issue with this movie is it is at its heart a movie about a woman so she loses her memory and then she gets it back. But when she gets it back, she feels like the same character she was than before she got her. She, her and her memory was still gone. That's the big issue with the movie. Um, well, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't want to blame Brie Larson, but I don't blame Brie Larson because I know she's a phenomenal actress. We've talked about Short Term 12 on this podcast. Uh, I think the script is abysmal to her as a character arc would go. And I think it's just... I think there's one good asset of this movie, and even he on this watch, I was bored by. I think he's just a bright mm. spot because of how unexpected he was the first time yeah. I saw it. Yeah. So to me, this is one of the rare MCU failures 
which is a shame because I cannot think of an MCU movie I wanted to more wanting to like the first time I saw this. And I, I remember I gave it what we call the diplo, the, like, what we in the crit- letterbox called the diplomatic three out of five, which is when you don't like a movie, but you're kind of sad you didn't. So mm-hmm. you want to convince yourself you liked it. Mm-hmm. Which is actually what I gave Black Widow as well. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, sorry, yeah. I, I meant it a bit. Tori. No, no. I, the thing is, now that now that you've explained that out, because like you know, we save everything for the podcast. So hearing you yeah. read that out, I you expected pushback. I one hundred percent agree with everything you said, like okay, completely one hundred percent. So don't worry, because I agree that it's it feels very performative in the fact that since it goes back in time, it really doesn't help connect the bridge as to okay, well, if your first Avenger was this amazing woman. Why have you treated your female Avengers and female workers so badly up to a certain point in the MCU? So yeah. I 100% agree. The point about the workers, I forgot about Patty Jenkins leaving. Uh, Thor. Yeah. Uh, and, anyway, you know, go on, sorry. Yeah, no. And it's, so I 100% agree with that. I think the timing of it and the setting of it really just feels like a performative, hey, we have a f- powerful woman sort of situation. In terms of it with Endgame, I get the placement if it didn't feel so performative because you have this like the the pager and her coming in for endgame and like at what point would you consider a desperate enough situation that nick fury would want to call her in you know so i get that point the point that i would like to make as to why when we were first talking about this before we started recording is the reason i loved this movie and i'm not i Everyone already knows this, but just disclaimer, I do not speak for, like, the entire feminism movement in general. This is just me. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> but it it very much felt like, like a comfort movie in a way for me because it was the, one of the first times seeing a not overly sexualized, um, mm. you know, woman powerful in her own right sort of situation, yeah. not having to be led by ridiculous emotions that I think uh, for me, then I feel like I had to grab onto it. Does that make sense? Like, no, I get that. Like, yeah. it's kind of sad in a sense. <laughs> it, no, well, it, it is, is sad. Like, yeah. It's like, this is all you got. So, yeah. So I feel like yeah. that's why I really liked it was because it was so good to see it and to see that portrayed. But then as you look at it more and connect it to the MCU, you, uh, you like, I understand its faults and I completely think it has a lot of them. I think I'm just, I'm so blinded by how much I just grabbed onto it that that's my issue. That, those are my general, like, opening thoughts. <laughs> to go okay, no, no, okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. All right. Now we'll dig in, which I see begins with Tyler's intro. Oh, I'm curious yeah. what this is. So, Danny, <laughs> Danny, you made a, uh, you made a point about how something about the intro, the, the beginning of this film. Or so, oh, it's a uh, conf- it's uh with the not necessarily mistaken identity, but the uh f- like the forgotten past um f- from Danvers uh from Carol Danvers. I'm just gonna call her Marvel from now on. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like with her forgotten past, I think that is that is one of the flaws of this film, and uh, I would rehash the intro i would move the true crash flashbacks that happened way like at the beginning of the third act of the film um i would move those flashbacks to the beginning of the film and right as she shoots the tesseract 
then there's that big bright flash of light you uh cut to it's gonna cut to uh marvel captain marvel waking up on hala with a j cut to a deleted scene um where and we'll talk about the deleted scenes uh later on but uh it's a deleted scene of marvel walking into a classroom where jude law is teaching kree youth and in that scene captain marvel explains that the Kree saved me when the scrolls attacked my home world. I don't remember who I am or who I was, but they gave me these special powers um, to to help the Kree fight the scrolls. And I think that's like the perfect why they cut that. I don't know why they cut. I don't know why they cut that like that deleted scene. But I'm like, give us. I think if if. You give your audience, we're not familiar with this character at all. Right. You know? So give us the fact that she was doing some mission, like, you know, on, on Earth. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, we, we treat it like it was a dream. And then she wakes up and it's 1995 on this space planet. And we're like, whoa, 1995? What's Hala? Where is this? Whoa, the Kree Empire? Um, so and then uh you go on and you can, you still get your your twist and there's a twist in this film where they flip they kind of flip the script um on what the presumptions were with the comics where in the comics the Kree were the were the good guys so to say um and then the scrolls were more of the more of the bad guys you know the villains um to, uh to say and they kind of flip that we still get that surprise we we still have a, a tale of uh we still get a captain marvel tale you know in that we still get an a an origin story with her and what what better feminist story for and i also say throughout the rest of the movie you need to cut out any flashbacks that are about like men um put uh, like oppressing her not saying because i don't think that they serve the narrative they they feel like it's pushing they're pushing a message rather than letting those characters tell the story you know and play that live it out on on screen and uh they need uh oh you what better way to tell i i think a uh a a good and Tori, I'm going to leave this judgment for you because uh, obviously I'm just a guy. But I like what better feminist story would be to tell about this woman who overcomes her um, her oppressors, who her captives, who also who also happens to be a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. think like you, I think you tell that story. That narrative is still there. But they're not pushing, like, oh, hey, remember? It's like it's like it's like uh, when you're at the grocery store and you have a candy bar and it and like the Snickers, like it tells you, oh, this is this many calories. You know, we're not getting this many calories is being pushed in front of you. You know, it's it's saying like I don't know. I I'm kind of getting lost lost for words here. No, but I, yeah, what? Yeah, I I want to hear what both of you have. What kind of take you guys have on that? Yeah, the the short version is basically 
I, I agree with that. I think it would be great if to cut a lot of the like other oppressors in her life and like make it a true relationship with like the people currently oppressing her in that situation, as in like Jude Law's character and all of that. But mm-hmm. the issue being, I can see why they did that in the fact that they chose the Air Force for her. Mm. Because you I do have ha- there. Sorry, go on. I'm, just, Sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the correct choice. I'm just saying that they made the choice. Um, is the fact that if you're going to do that and you're going to connect it somehow to like Annette Benning's character and all of that, like you're gonna have to talk about the sexism in the military at some point mm. because you have to discuss how that relates to her being an amazing flyer. And how she got to that point. So I do agree with your sentiments. I think it's hard to do it without some of those because you do have to show if you're going to make such a huge plot point about her being a fighter pilot, you have to show her getting to that point. Could we could we get those in flashbacks? Could we get those in flashbacks when she's looking through her file later on in the movie? Oh, most definitely. One hundred percent. Yeah, and like maybe she got in trouble regularly, was put in isolation mm-hmm. because she like spoke out against her her uh office, you know, yeah. off commanding officers yeah, yeah. and her COs and uh other military. Yeah, and I members. do think yeah. could, I think you could easily cut the other scenes of like her when she was a little girl in those scenes and yeah. you can just focus on the military aspect of it. Danny's got Danny's got thoughts on the military here. Well, yeah. I have thoughts on other things first. First thing is is I'm actually kind of anti this now because from what it sounds like to me is um well you know what I'm gonna put a pin in that and talk about the other thing I was gonna say uh which was not about the military. Oh, what else did you guys say? I had two things in mind I wanted to say. There's a lot of things going on right here with this movie because it's all terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tori, what did you say? What was your first point? What was your first point again? It was not about the modes. Oh, no, okay. It's actually Tyler's point I want to respond to. I'm sorry. I remember. It's um about the other sexism examples in the film, like the cockpit thing or give me a smile. I actually like those moments in theory in the film. Mm-hmm. The issue is, which is going to lead to my other issue with the movie that I need to talk about, which I somehow didn't mention in my uh, general thoughts, is that these people are directed to act in the most forced manner possible. It's like, you know, it's a co- they call it a cockpit for a reason, or come on, baby, give me a smile. It's like the acting on these extras are so bad. What? What, Tori? You're raising your hand. As a person who's been catcalled before, it really... That overacting was not too far-fetched in a lot of situations. Okay, that's very fair, but there is no casual sexism here. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that 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 completely. Yeah, no, I get that. Like, it's very direct, I understand. I think the give me a smile thing is something that, like, in the past, I would accidentally say to someone. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why, like, why aren't you smiling? Just honestly, you know, like, back when I was in high school, I could totally see me saying something like that. Or, like, I've seen my dad say that, and he's not like... Why aren't you smiling? You know what I mean? He'll just be like, yeah. our waitress isn't smiling for some reason. And I'll be like, she doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like stuff like that, where it's like, I don't know why it, like the cockpit one, sure. Like that one I'll accept. My shoe is there more. The, like, I get it. 
It's just such a Marvel moment that she walks back in when she's in a rush to escape to shoot the the monitor. It's such a like, okay, whatever type of thing. Can I make one small heated counterpoint? And then yeah, I sure go ahead, go heated, go heated. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I'll be very quick. Is basically what I think, in my opinion, of like the ridiculous overacting because I do agree that it's it's like very in your face, very present. Is I think that to push it that hard is sometimes what you have to do to make people who don't think there's a problem with that understand that there's a problem with that. Does that mm. make sense? Because like if you like if you had a subtle like you know oh why aren't you smiling or something like a little more realistic like some some people might be like i don't see a problem with that like why'd she get mad but if you make it over the top you can kind of like i'm not saying that you shouldn't get mad in those situations no, I, I, I get what you're saying 100 yeah. percent. i'm actually willing to bet now that i'm thinking about it, that scene was probably tested you know yeah uh because all of these movies are focused tested beyond oblivion right. and i'm willing to bet maybe uh and i they ever did test it this way or if they did you know what the reaction would have been if they were doing it the way i said it it'd be like because this reaction was for some reason widespread when this movie came it was like well that guy didn't deserve it i'm like it's not the point if they deserve it or not he's an asshole right (laughs) yes exactly like yeah so what that she stole his bike she's gonna save the world like who cares that's not this movie's issues (laughs) uh and so I, and I 100% believe that honestly might be why the line is that reason. Because people, right. even when the movie came out, was like, but that guy didn't deserve it. And like, like, it's like, like, be a good human. It's not that yeah. difficult. But I do want to bring that to the point where, and I'll bring this back to Tyler. Don't worry. I'm bringing you back to your intro. Is that the other huge issue with this movie is that even for anonymous MCU movies, I give that with an air quote, um, like a movie like Shang-Chi where you don't necessarily see credits like camera movements in it or um, trying to go number one, even Black Widow, even Black Widow, which even though we covered Kate Troll in the podcast, a lot of her filmmaking technique isn't fully there. In my opinion, it still feels like it was made less by committee than this is. This movie does not feel like it has any voice behind it at mm, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did a man direct this one? So, that's that's a fun story. All right, so it's a yes or no question, Danny. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. There's a good story there. Is that they, of course, interviewed a ton of women and asked them if they wanted to do it. And indeed, well, you know, before I reveal, before I reveal, I want to point out that up to this point, I remember a lot of people when this movie came out. A lot of my film people were like, "It's really weird that for this Marvel movie." Unlike, say, Guardians or even Ant-Man, they usually put the directors on the front of marketing these movies, like they do interview after interview after interview, but these directors are nowhere. Uh, and to answer your question, Tyler, uh, a woman did direct this, but a man did too. It was a directing team of a man and a woman, oh, and I 100% yeah. believe that is why they did not put them in front of the cameras, because when uh dc that's that's everything too is like marvel why are you so proud of yourself if wonder woman got two years before this dc got started like five years after you <laughs> and they got there out first and she's the most popular character and that movie was just directed by patty jenkins there was no mm. now granted anna Bowden and matt fleck ryan fleck i don't know why i said matt they've worked together they've never done a film without the air as far as i'm aware so they are a team all the way through However, initially I was like, well, you know, if they bring their voice to it and it's a good movie, like, that won't really matter. But the thing is, this movie isn't good. <laughs> like, like, at least in terms, I, I think we can all agree that there is no directorial stamp here at all. 
This yeah. feels like right. anyone could have. It feels like probably Feige was in the, the room editing it, and like maybe they were just like, may, like maybe they were there, but they don't have any real voice here. Like it, it, it feels like nothing. It feels like there's nothing behind this movie other than the idea of we're making a female superhero movie, and that is the voice. That's the voice behind it. It's not like Patty Jenkins, for example. I, I always use this as a great example for how a director can fight for their movie. Is Patty Je- DC and Warner Brothers wanted to cut the No Man's Land sequence from Wonder Woman, the first movie, and that is the best sequence in that movie. Pretty much, pretty much everyone agrees that's the best sequence in that movie. It's one of the most inspiring sequences in any superhero movie from the last ten years, and they wanted to cut it. And Patty Jenkins was like, "No, this is we need this." And it feels like maybe this movie, if judging off what Tyler's already said about one deleted scene, it sounds like there wasn't anyone there to put their foot on deleted scenes that were needed in the film. Yeah. But to get back to Tyler's main point, which is the reason I brought this up, is that your proposal sounds like to me, it removes, spoiler alert, my favorite scene in this movie, which is the only scene in this movie that has any semblance of style, which is Talos digging through the memories of Carol. It is it the only it scene doesn't. of the Oh, it doesn't? Okay, because it no. sounded to me like he just wanted to remove all the childhood stuff, and all the childhood nope. stuff is in that scene. Okay, good. Nope. You, okay. you still have her, uh, you still have, like, my cut would be, you still have the, I, I love, I love the, uh, let's open her up, and then, yeah. Yeah. boom, you know, we get this this great big uh, hangar opening. Uh, that's when we get all of, like, the, the Air Force scenes right there. Um, which establishes further it could have been a great place for the stuff the stuff that uh could be added like what Tori and I had talked about. Um, but you remove like the go kart scene yeah. and the there was one other she's she's a little a little she's girl. like at the beach. I don't know what she's doing, but she's like at the beach. Yeah, yeah. At, at the beach. And uh like that those would be the only two. I think you've gotta have all the rest of that because it also sets up uh, the scrolls, uh, knowing to look for Lawson, mm-hmm. and like I think that I think there's a way to incorporate it. And tell me if I'm wrong on this, Tyler, if this is what you're thinking. But I think that there's a way there's a way to still incorporate the memories without all of those memories being men that have oppressed her in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah, I'm not definitely. saying that can't be included, but like it kind of just makes it feel like every memory that would be in 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 a woman's brain would just be every time she's been shut down and like that's it's they're big they're in there but at the same time mm-hmm. it's like you could it could be searching through like oh she went to the beach or something wait that's not what we're looking for and the keep like you could still have memories they just maybe don't need to be yeah. set up the way that they yeah were. i i think i think uh talking about that scene like they did set up that relationship between lawson and i mean it that scene tells the audience that like well Lawson is important it doesn't necessarily set up that relationship I still think that relationship needed to be built more um in this film and even the the deleted scenes don't do that I I feel like to me though I don't know maybe I'm wrong Tori you can tell me I'm wrong but to me a man uh the most empowering scene in this movie that does somewhat I don't it doesn't give me chills but I I feel something at it is the moment at the end where we go back to all these flashbacks and mm-hmm. start standing back up. Uh, I would say this movie does not earn it, really. But the filmmaking there, I mean, after saying the directors are terrible, uh, but the filmmaking there is functional enough that I still feel something, along with the music, which we'll talk about later, the music. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I 100% agree with that. I think that that I think what they set up with the memories and then that scene of like all the versions of her like standing up, I think it is an amazing thing to do. I just mm-hmm. think this was the wrong movie for it considering it felt like sure, yeah. Movement. So no, I agree. I just think that that would be great. That would be wonderful in another situation. It just felt yeah. off in this movie because it felt so much like a we have power yeah. of the woman, hear me roar, sort of. It was it was the it was the execution yeah. of it. Is, it's the performative yeah. aspect uh, that you were talking about, Danny. Yeah. Speaking of which, very quick, I wanted to make this joke at some point of this podcast is when this movie came out, I remember getting so mad at the trailers, and it turned out it made sense because of the tone of the movie, is that like, you know, Marvel movies always have these pop songs in the trailers, right? We were just talking about a shoe hole. This movie is set in the nineties. The pivotal shot in all the trailers is that shot. That's the thing, too. Is they showed that shot of her standing up in the trailer over and over again. Like, it was always in all those trailers, which is so funny to me because it's meant to be this big moment. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, all these trailers are sold around this montage. Set in the 90s. How do we not have this trailer set to, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> and you know, we're going to keep me down. I get knocked down. I've, I would. I've, uh, that would be on the nose. I'm sorry. I've so. seen a. I've seen a fan edit on YouTube uh, by Sheepish. Um, he he did a, a uh, an edit of the Captain Marvel trailer, and he set it to "Sabotage" by Beastie Boys. And mm. it's oh, because of the Captain Star Marvel. Trailer. It's of Captain Marvel, bl- like just tearing through uh, the uh, Kree warship. And like to the sabotage soundtrack, and I'm like, I'm like, that is bomb AF. Heck like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. have to share I, it with you guys. Please do. I think that also, I'm sorry, I keep talking so much. I think that's another reason this was so disappointing to me at the time is because up until this point, this movie came out, I had this rule right that at that point, I really didn't like the Earth stuff in Marvel, and I liked the cosmic stuff. In this movie, it's the opposite. The Earth stuff is so much more interesting than anything in space. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it's because. Space and Marvel up to this point, with the exception of Thor the Dark World, which is barely space, uh, all has this goofy, fun vibe. And I'm not saying this movie needs that, but if you're going to have your third act fight set to no doubt, that should not be your only needle drop in the movie. It should have that type of music throughout. I Yes, I get knocked down, I get up again, it's ridiculously on the notes, I understand that. But it's just like... What? I also don't think that song fits that f- fight at all, other than, mm-hmm. oh, it's about a girl, so we're going to play it. None of the action and the editing fits this, but... And it's, it's used play. in another MCU movie, is it not? Is it? I have no idea. Uh, let me No, check. I'm thinking of Cherry Bomb in, uh, oh, in Guardians Cherry 2. Cherry Bomb is so good in that movie. It's yeah. such a great drop. I think it's, it's used in Guardians 2, and it's used in Captain Marvel. Is Cherry it- Bomb is in the first one. Cherry Bomb is when they're He's making the one. Yeah, That's it's right. when they're making the yeah. plane in the Ravager ship. Love yeah. that that drop. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Anyways, do we want to move to the next point? Uh, what is it? Is it the deleted scenes? The deleted scenes. The deleted scenes. Yeah. All right, I'll take a. I'll, okay. I'll still talk. I'm just taking a. Okay. <laughs> so the the first deleted scene is uh we already talked about it. It's Jude Law teaching young Cree. Marvel walks in. Tells the class of how the Kree saved her from the scrolls, um, and that she doesn't remember her homeworld at all. And then it it's supposed to go to the fight scene between Captain Marvel and Jude Law. I can't remember Jude Law's character, so he's just uh, Jude Law. It's, it's Yon Rog, but I'll be Yon honest, Rog. Everyone yeah, in right. this movie besides Coulson 
And Fury, I'm probably just going to call by their actor name. Even Talos. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, that I think that they should have included that. Um, it was good character interaction. It was, yeah, it just, it actually builds your world out more. I'm not sure why they cut that. The next one is Jude Law communes with the Supreme Intelligence, which is confirmed to be his own image. It's so it's Jude Law talking to Jude Law. And, um, you can find this, this deleted scene on YouTube. It's, it's really good, really good. The graphics aren't quite edited. Um, uh, they're not finished. Uh, the Supreme Intelligence basically reinforces the need for Jude Law to bring Mar- Captain Marvel back to Hala, back to the Kree, and is basically like, he's like, you have to do this, like, basically just go the whole way, otherwise we are going to kill you. And it just shows, like, like how the Supreme Intelligence rules the Kree, you know, and I, I think they should have definitely kept that one because Jude Law's acting in this scene is I'm like that's why they brought him on to this project and they didn't use it I don't understand why why they didn't use it um, <laughs> I mean they didn't use a, I, I would say they didn't use a single actor in this cast besides well yeah maybe definitely. Brie at the end maybe Brie at the end when she gets to actually emote and yeah. my boy Benny who also doesn't act that much and then uh it also, I think, yeah, that scene is supposed to... Oh, it gives us the reason as to uh, why Yonrog ended up going, like, finding Captain Marvel, like, going back to there. Otherwise, we get to this point in the film where we're just with uh, Marvel the whole time. We're just with Marvel the whole time. And then... Uh, and uh i'm so sorry danny is just typing <laughs> jimon hunsu as korath and he just over and over, and over and over again but uh anyways uh so so yeah it it connects the narrative together don't I, know why they got rid of that can can i comment yeah, on the deleted scenes that you're talking about yeah. i yeah. am so mad that they cut those because if we're talking about like yanrag is like the power play situation those give so much more information on him and like his relationship mm-hmm. to everything, especially the classroom scene. Cause in that you, at the beginning, you'd see it as like, Oh, teaching them the history and everything. And then at the end, you can really see like the, like indoctrination of like, why we yeah. are superior, why we need to get rid of the scrolls and, and all that. You see him less, less as teacher as, as how he starts in the beginning of the film and more to enforcer. Yes. At the end of oh the film. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that, and see, the minute, I don't know if you saw me on the camera, but the minute you said that Jude Law, like his character, he sees himself in the, mm-hmm. that's, that needs to be in there because that just gives a whole nother level of character development that like, it's supposed to be the per- person that like you admire the most or that you, that's mm-hmm. important to you. And he sees him. And Captain, Captain <gasps> Marvel even calls it out on the train. Yeah. She's like, you see me, you see yourself, don't you? Yeah. It, yeah. He's like, ha ha. I was like, I need that scene in there. Oh, that makes me so angry. Yeah. Oh. I, the, yeah. What's up? Can I, I, can I just say something about Jude Law right now? Who I think, yeah. uh, we could easily say, uh, uh, I think you would all agree with my take on him, which is that, I have a list on Letterbox of the ranking of the MCU villains where I refuse to rank some of them because they are non-entities and he is not ranked. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to point out that it sounds like a lot of the 
the what do you call it? The big part was uh, I'm, I lost my train of thought. A lot of the big uh aspects of his character were cut. But do you yeah. know who was initially offered this role and immediately declined it? It's a big star. Very I don't big, know. Bigger than Jude Law. Uh, he had to turn it down because he had to shoot John Wick 3. Keanu Reeves Keanu was offered Reeves? this role. Oh, thank yeah. goodness. And he turned thank it down. Goodness. He was like, oh, yeah. John Wick. And I also think you probably have a better role for me down the road. He has actually said, he's like, I'm open to Marvel if they give me an interesting role. Yeah. But oh, thank they God. Have not come <laughs> they have <laughs> Oh, what could have been? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with... Wa- like, Jude Law, he's great. I'm okay with wasting him, though. Keanu! Give he don't waste Ke- Keanu! <laughs> give me Keanu Silver Surfer. No. All right. That's <laughs> what no. I want. Well, then he's like, like, no, shut right, up, I'm going to tell you right now, just popped in my head, we need to have Keanu in Doctor Strange 3, because everyone back when... I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie, Atomic Blonde. When it came out, everyone was like, we need John Wick versus Atomic Blonde. But that could never happen, because they were at different studios. Keanu Reeves versus Charlie Theron and Doctor Strange. Come on! Oh heck, mm. yeah. we'll get. We'll finally get mm. it. We'll Interesting. Finally... That works. I don't know who uh, will play Dramu, but possessing John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so then there, there's a couple more. Uh, well, more than a couple. Um, so then there's Marvel and Kree soldiers prep for the mission. It's an alternative scene. It is not. It's it's not there. Um, I understand why they cut that one. Marvel uh, beats up a biker guy for his clothes. Like, she literally takes his clothes. She doesn't take it from the mannequin. She takes his clothes. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that's a thing. I I don't I don't know. I'm still iffy on like at which I I, don't, I would almost have to see that one in the film, you know, to see how it how it how it uh, plays. But uh, then there's Talos and company. Uh, so. Marvel and Fury and Goose escape. They're going to space, and Marvel uh, and then Talos and uh, the other scrolls. They find the file that uh, Captain Marvel was reading earlier about the crash uh, site, and that's how they get the profile info about Maria Rambo. Otherwise, we don't really get the reason as to how they knew where to go to find maria rambo they just show up Mm. you know yeah um they just randomly show up and they're like hi we're cool and that's when we get like the the comedy of that moment i'll i'll tell you when i was in the movie theater the the comedy of that moment and ben mendelson's great performance it covers that plot hole Mm -hmm. but the plot hole's still there even like after how many times like watching it and then the final one is uh it's immediately after uh Fury leaves the the corners room and then uh Talos is like go into the great beyond or whatever to the yeah. dead to the dead uh scroll and then uh we get we cut it's a jump cut to uh young Coulson walking down the um walking down the hallway no, it's Fury walking down the hallway. He meets young Coulson, and young Coulson is like, "Do you need any help?" And then Fury's like, "Uh, no. Go do go do this, or get my report, or get my coffee, or something." And I'm like, "We, I want that. You know, just that little exchange kind of sets yeah. a, a nice relation, like sets up there. It doesn't set the relationship up, but it just gives us a little bit. Um, and then we young Coulson, 
uh, we see he so much close he sees he sees uh, he sees uh, Talos, who is the chief or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees him trying to get into the office, and then he's like, "Oh, do you need a key? Do you need help getting into your office?" And then the chief, and then Talos is like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I left my keys inside the office." And we actually get to see. And then Colson is the reason that he got inside that office and was able to get a few other other things. And we actually see the chief tied up on the floor. So oh, that's cool. So yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, that was. Tell me, there was a scene where there was two Ben Mendelsons in. There were two Ben Mendelsons in frame. (laughs) Yeah, and you missed it, Eddie. Yeah, the majority, there's like two of these deleted scenes that I would keep out, but a lot of the deleted scenes would have, it wouldn't have completed the movie or made the movie, you know, like a four and a half star or four star or, you know, even a four star, but it would have definitely added to, to the <laughs> film. definitely not got that eye for me. Anyway. <laughs> Danny's uh, like, maybe a two. No. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Um, all right. We got to start moving through these quicker. Uh, no offense. Uh, all offense. Don't worry. Uh, Stan Lee. Let's talk about the Stan Lee cameo and the Stan Lee opening. This was the first Marvel movie, MCU oh, movie, yeah. to release after his death. Yeah. Um, Spider-Verse came out after his death, too, but MCU is different. Um, for now. <laughs> Sorry, it's what, Tom is, one of those what is Spider Verse? It's it's Spider Verse. It's his own thing. They haven't made any the, spinoffs yet. There's it's, there's an animated Spider Man movie. Stop! I don't think this is funny. <laughs> I know you, I know you don't find it funny. Uh, I've said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. This should have been his last cameo. They should have cut his Endgame cameo. His cameo here is so nice. It's so perfect. It's sweet. He gets to actually play himself for once. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, I wish they had cut his Endgame cameo and just ended it here. Mm-hmm. It was I, yeah. I forgot that this movie had that opening with Stanley. Yeah, the, so the minute it started playing, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, crap. I have a feeling that's going to happen this November with Chadwick too. Oh, we'll I don't see. want to think about yeah. it. No, no, we're not. Yeah. I'm not dealing with uh, those emotions right now. <laughs> okay, uh, next up is my note that I posted sixty times, which is uh, <laughs> Jaimon Hansu. As Korra. Uh He's back. I brought put this in the notes for two things. There's one, I think it's really interesting. I always thought this was funny. He was in both Captain Marvel movies in the span of a month because he's in Shazam as well. And Shazam is also Captain Marvel. Uh, the other thing I wanted to read was this quote shut from up. when his. <laughs> what? I said shut up. <laughs> Why? Because you made that. You made that reference. I mean, it's it's correct, but anyways, I'm just giving you a hard time, Danny. I know. I want to read this quote from the Hollywood Reporter when the announcement that Jaimon Hansu, Lee Pace, and Clark Gregg were going to be in it. I want to hear your take on this quote, having seen the film, which is, "This film offers a unique opportunity for Marvel to strengthen the presence of these characters who might have not lived up to their potential." So, do you have stronger feelings towards? Ronin the Accuser and Korath off of this the roles in this film. <laughs> and nope. <laughs> you know where I did have a strong positive thing towards Korath, weirdly enough? What if? <laughs> that is the most positive I felt about Korath. Oh, yeah. yeah. Although, I do think it's... I, I like Jaimon Hansu. I think he's fun. He's, he certainly has got a bigger presence than Guardians 1 than Lee Pace does. Uh, 
So, but anyway, I just thought that was funny. Uh, Tori, I want you to talk about something, anything. Yeah. What well, relates right. to this movie? <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to laugh because I just saw score as Karath and post credits as Karath. So sorry. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, oops. Um, well, for the essence of time, because I've got points for like later on when we talk about like the awards and stuff that I can make. Mm-hmm. So how about I'll introduce what's next, which is asking oh. you, Danny, your discussion about the military. <laughs> All right. So fun fact about Marvel movies is that they receive pe- uh, funding from the Pentagon. Uh, we don't like, usually talk about like Michael Bay. Like, Michael yeah, Bay. yeah, yeah. We don't usually talk about this on the podcast because it's not really relevant. Now, this like said, Michael Bay. What? What about Michael Bay? <laughs> what are you talking? About? What are you talking about, Michael Bay? Said, no, what you said you said, it, you said it's not relevant, and I said like Michael Bay because I know there'd be a trigger point for you. <laughs> I mean, ambulance bombed at the box office. <laughs> Tyler, stop poking the bear. <laughs> well, well, no, no, I'm not. I'm, that's okay. Uh, at this point, I'm like, eh, whatever. So the Pentagon approves and helps fund all these Marvel movies. Usually this is not an issue, if not for the fact that there was an ad for the Marines and the Air Force when this movie came out using footage from the movie to recruit people. Now, I'm not going to get into my big thoughts on the industrial uh, military-industrial complex because I don't have them prepared, and if I try to improv them, I'm probably going to sound really stupid. So, <laughs> uh, every Marvel movie gets some level of funding if they're set on Earth in this way. Like, Captain. Sorry, for example, another one this really affects is Winter Soldier, uh, where notice that in Winter Soldier, uh, the twist that Hydra is on the inside, it's really just a few bad apples. Now, whatever you want to think about with that, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about Winter Soldier here. I don't really want to open up the politics of Winter Soldier because we did an entire episode on Winter Soldier last year that you can check out, or I'm sure the subject was breached. However, as I already said with this one, this movie is shot, the Air Force scenes are shot like an ad. It was used for an ad, and let's be real here, it is essentially Top Gun. It is, it, all the, the military stuff is essentially Top Gun, which is also a, a more explicitly pro-military film. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm anti-military. I want to have that on the record. I don't hate the troops. <laughs> I don't hate them. I'm reminded of the BoJack episode uh, where BoJack says, "I don't really like. I don't care that you're a serviceman. I just want my bagel." Uh, and like it spirals in this big thing. But uh, I think this movie's a little weird. That it uh, feels very. Uh, very uh, neoliberal, for lack of a better word, and how it portrays the military. <laughs> uh, if no one wants to go after me on this, that's fine. I'm kind of just saying this here because I feel like I regret not mentioning it in regards to this movie because I think this is the most military propaganda I've seen in a non-Michael Bay blockbuster. It's quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like, Joe, cut all that out. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Huh? You My okay? eyes are burning. My eyes are burning. I've been staring at screens all day. <laughs> I was like, are you crying? Is are you okay? No, my eyes like my eyes will just dry out and burn. No, I understand. And, yeah. Like- my eyes hate me. <laughs> 
right. What about that score as Cora? <laughs> I mean, we've already kind of talked about the score in general, which is just like, I mean, not like overall, but specifics like of the it. Techno stuff. The, I like it. Like it's a little techno in there. Yeah. A little electric. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I like I like the uh, like the holla blend. I wish we yeah, had more like holla music. in this, but yeah, I like the cream music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, like it. it's, it's good, a- but it's not a set. It's not a score that like stands out in my brain. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, it really lacks a central thing for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like on the level of even like Doctor Strange or Winter Soldier era Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I consider those some of the lesser main themes of the MCU. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, I I do, you might disagree with me on this, Danny, but I do appreciate the little nod at the end, music-wise. I, I do think it's a it's a performative thing. But like the Avengers, when it's like based off of Carol Danvers and everything, I like that they bring the Avengers yeah. theme oh, I mean, right I like that too. Because it just makes your, it makes your heart happy. You're like, oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I like it too. I do think it's a cheap shot. Oh, <laughs> I think no. it's a 100%, 100%. a cheap shot. Oh, 100%. oh, but it's a it's a cheap shot that I'm okay with. Yes. Yeah. Well, on the subject of propaganda, it does feel like it's advertising me to go see Avengers Endgame immediately right afterwards. Which is exactly the point. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I know. It, it, it's there to advertise that, hey, just so you remember, she's in this in two months. Make sure you go see it. But, uh... <laughs> As if anyone who saw this movie is going to this Endgame. <laughs> right. Um, which actually, the fact that we're talking about Endgame, I think... Did anyone have anything else about the score before? Nah. No, no I just I want think... to say the, the EDM, the electric part, is, the electro music is yeah. good. The, I, uh, electro. Yeah. <laughs> electro. <laughs> yes, <baby>. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, that leads in, like, really well to just on the post credit scene, which is talking about Captain Marvel's like presence in Endgame and like what it's going to be which i think that i i appreciate the um the beeper the pager coming back and getting yeah. that aspect the fact that it show it also shows how much they trust Nick Fury which we already know but the fact that this was Nick Fury's and if it's like paging something it's going to be important because he wouldn't choose his last moments to do something that wouldn't help so I think that's good. And then I also love that it connects her into just showing up because otherwise they would have no reason to know she exists. So I, I like that it set that up. I hate that it took the entire movie just to set that up. Like that was the premise, yeah. but still. What if what if they would have just met when she landed in the blockbuster and then she would have fixed her suit and he'd be like, here's a pager, call me anytime. Right. <laughs> and she takes off. Movie done. Done. <laughs> Goose throws up Tesseract. <laughs> What That's I it. was going to say with this is that I this post credit scene to me is way better after seeing Endgame. Mm-hmm. I remember when I saw it, I always kind of assume when like all these actors are in a scene, uh, I kind of assume like uh, the Ant Man post credit scene is just a scene from Civil War. So I just assumed, oh, they're showing me a, a clip from Endgame. So I was like, whatever. But then it's not in Endgame, and the first time we see her, she's rescuing Tony. So then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, okay, no, that was a good post credit scene because this is a moment I need to see, but I understand why it wouldn't fit the flow of that film, right? And at the time, it also was cool because you got some more confirmations on who got snapped by what you saw in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's also just nice to see the Avengers. Oh, yeah. As soon as, as, soon as uh, Chris Evans started talking, I was like, that is a man, not a toy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I 
I did like this, uh, like this scene, and it serves as a nice chronologically. It, it occurs like I assume right after Infinity War. Like uh, all the Avengers, you know, they all recon back to Avengers base uh, headquarters or whatever, and then you know that's where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I like I like how they tied how they tied that in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one thing they got right. <laughs> 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 and then the other, the other uh, post credit is the cat, right? Is the cat. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. You know, I gotta say one of my coworkers at work was complaining to me about the Dr. Strange post credit scene about how like, it was just a guy yelling at the camera. And I'm like, okay, I just watched this post credit scene. And it's way worse. Like waiting, like waiting for this just to see a cat throw up. I'm just saying like, I don't care if you don't know Bruce Campbell. This is a joke. Spoiler for Doctor Strange 2, I guess, but also we have a story we're at the beginning of the episode anyway. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I was, I regretted waiting for it in the theater. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is one of those, like Multiverse of Madness, where I was, I was very disappointed in the fact that I stayed to watch that. Like. It's worth it for Multiverse of Madness, so at least there's an actor on screen. Well, it's just, but it's just a cheap shot. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. Anyways. Wow. Pizza Bruce Papa. Campbell. Oh, here. no. Bruce Campbell's not the chief shot. I love Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's great. It's There's, okay. there's a whole... I'm not going to get into that. Anyways, I love okay. Bruce Campbell. Okay. Why is awards MVP? I'm giving it to the boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Mendelsohn, who we weirdly did not talk about much in this, but it's kind of because I undercut my point with him earlier. When I said very briefly, like, even the best part of this movie, which is him, uh, is partially good because of shock value. On rewatch, it's just like, yep, he gets to be funny in the second half, at least. Um, I do think it's worth noting that he was deaf. This is, I think, at least in my memory, one of the few times the MCU has played with typecasting mm-hmm. and uh, going against uh, typecasting. Because Ben Mendelsohn is always the bad guy in movies. So as soon as he was here, you're like, oh, he's playing the leader of the evil villains. He must, must I mean, the evil aliens. He must, yeah, he's definitely the bad guy. And this, uh, this came shortly after Rogue One. Well, right? not only Rogue One, he's also the bad guy in Ready Player One. He's a bad guy in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a couple, I think I'm missing one in there too. He's a villain in so much stuff. Yeah. He's, he has my favorite lines of The Dark Knight Rises. He has the worst exposition in Nolan's entire filmography. I'm going to just say it right now because it'll be the only time I ever have to say it. And it's, um, I'm going to do my mental sprint set impression. Excuse me. Oh. The clean slate, the device that allows you to remove your your face from any database and all your info from across the internet, everywhere. Is that all too good to be true? It's basically that. I messed up the line, but it is literally like he says expositions of the camera. That look that sounded like uh, like that Liberty Mutual commercial, (laughs) a bad actor. Yeah, he's like Liberty Liberty. Yes. That's what it sounded well, like. Well, Ben Mendelsohn should do that. I think Ben Mendelsohn's a treasure. and he. Gets I think Ben Mendelsohn could do Liberty Mutual commercials. I think, ben Mendel- <laughs> I think Ben Mendelsohn would probably love a gig like that. Like J.K. Simmons getting paid for those farmers insurance commercials. Yeah. It yeah. pay really well. Um, but anyway, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, I love him. Uh, would like to see him in the MCU for better script. Mm. My MVP is Samuel L. Jackson, and that is because I think that although his performance isn't 
what I don't I don't think anyone in this film necessarily has a performance that is like, oh, they carried the whole film on their back. However, I do think that when Ben Mendelsohn is not in the room, and he's not in the room very much, um, and I do think that when he's not in the room, Samuel L. Jackson uh does a lot of carrying this uh this movie on especially because i like after seeing uh short term 12 i'm really surprised that brie larson didn't carry this you know more than uh so basically what how much uh, like having an actual director having a director will do well yeah 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 that too <laughs> wait wait can i say one thing brief about samuel jackson i forgot to say i'm not I just agree with your choice, but I'm not going to argue it. But I think it is worth noting this is the peak great MCU de-aging. This is the best that it's ever looked. They still haven't made it look as mm. good as this. Uh, it's really impressive. Hi, this is um, Danny Vincent. I'm here to a couple days later to explain something, which you can probably notice that this is not part of the previous conversation. Um, we lost about the last 20 minutes of this episode for reasons beyond our control. Um so I'm going to just go through what the rest of the awards we gave it to. Um, the only other stuff you missed was us talking about Miss Marvel and the Marvels and how we're excited for that. Um, but anyway, uh, and of course we talked, we thank Tori for being on and for talking again at the end of me reading the rest of his awards. Um, so Tori gave MVP to first to goose kind of to know me, but also cause she, she likes him. Um, but then she really gave it to Brie Larson saying that she gives an excellent performance, uh, and really digs into the character when the script allows her to. My, my favorite, we didn't know we did favorite scene. My favorite scene is the digging through the memories, the scene where, um, Talos goes through Carol's memories and it got some cool filmmaking going on. And then, Tyler's favorite scene, uh, I'll just read what he has in his notes because he always writes out very nice detailed notes. Um, the playing of the tape of the accident, it's fun situational comedy, and there's some nostalgia that isn't shoved in the audience face like some of the other bits of nostalgia in this film. Uh, finally, uh, Tori's, this was kind of funny because I accidentally insulted it earlier in the recording. Uh, her favorite scene is the one with the motorcycle asshole. Uh, she thought it was really satisfying to see that guy put in his place. Um, my worst scene that's what the next last word is worst scene uh i hate the scene where goose sticks out his um tentacles and like wipes it around it reminds me of the scene in guardians one where groot does the thing with you know his tree branch hand and he just swipes the floor of everyone um tyler actually had a good point here that unfortunately we lost due to the recording being on that um there's also a moment in this film where they recycle a bit from the first four movie where thor growls at someone and captain marvel growls at someone and another fights in here and makes them run away but anyway it's just really uh my opinion was since it's more boring uh the all the other bad stuff in this movie is boring but this is a um recycled bit and that annoys me a bit more um anyway uh, Tyler's also similar. He said this was a recycled bit to some, I think I, oh wait, I'm sorry. Tyler's bit, if we're seeing is what I just described. Uh, cause he listed in the notes as Captain Marvel escapes from the scroll ship. And he says it's because of that growl moment in it, which is also a recycled bit. Um, now Tori had an example, which is that she does not like Maria's. She's basically, I'll just read it. She says any scene with Maria's hair is the worst scene in the movie. Uh, now that scene, 
it's because Maria's hair is really bad here compared to No Time to Die, which she gets to wear her natural hair. And even in Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness, or even her cameo, she gets to wear her natural hair and it looks way better than her wig that they have on her here. It, yeah. Anyway, um, and we want to thank Tori for coming on. It's always great to have Tori on. Uh, we want to thank Joe for editing this episode. And next week, we will be covering Thor Ragnarok, which is me and Tyler's favorite MC movie. We're really excited to get that one to you. Um, and thanks for listening to this. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at BlankMints for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.